All right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this hump day. Wednesday is here. Uh, we got a big show. We're going to break down the Cowboys mess. It's uh, quickly becoming pretty contentious between Zeke and Jerry Jones. Uh, ownership there. Uh, we got to get into the new rule that the NCAA has proposed as far as dealing with players and agents. Uh-huh. They have added a new criteria, which is beginning widely criticized. And Aaron Rodgers says he doesn't want joint practices anymore. We'll tell you what we think of that and more uh, throughout the show. Before we get started, though, I did want to ask you something because you were saying you have your first padded practice tonight, tonight. for your kids' uh, football team. Correct. Do you think... Or who do you think is more excited about the kind of season ramping up? Are you or he? So the reason I ask that, definitely you. Definitely me. I think it's the same thing in my house. Yeah. Like whether it's any any sport, any kid, like whether it's my daughter's swim meet, whether it's a golf tournament, whether it's a basketball game. Granted, my youngest is six, so I don't get that excited right. for her uh, basketball games yet. But like when my daughter has a golf tournament – I kind of get excited like the night before oh. at dinner. I'm like talking about it. And Fired she's up. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to change for them. If it's just different. Like I would, and this is, this is where you got to really like be careful where, you know, your attitude, where it is as a parent. Yeah. Cause I don't want them to feel pressure, but I'm excited for them. And I wish they could have that excitement. They'll grow into not, it. They'll grow into you it. You think they, they will? will? They'll grow into it. Like they're just kids, man. They're happy. Go lucky. Right? Like, I don't think you or I do it in an unhealthy way. Like, right. I just hope not. Like, you want to see them, you know, go out there and, and they're good at the stuff and you want to see them do it. I, I, but like, I I vividly remember as a kid sleeping with my baseball glove the night before games, just like I had read about players doing it. And I, or before a basketball game, I would sit in my bed with a basketball and I would work on my stroke. Me too. I would be, but, but I think. Maybe without, maybe I remember it later. So, those, these kids now have so many other outlets. Like I had this conversation with my wife about like passion for anything, like let let alone a sport. Um, and there's just so much more at their fingertips. You know what I mean? They can they they can be on an iPad or or on an iPhone and quickly be down this rabbit hole of different videos and stuff. And we, quite frankly, you didn't have that. You had your Nintendo or you had that sport you were talking about, right? And so right. the only thing to obsess about. Was that sport? My oldest son is catching largemouth bass in like the south of France with some idiot on YouTube. Like that's where his mind's at, you know. And so he's not tripping about going out and trying to throw touchdown passes in the morning. He's on an, a worldwide expedition bass fishing. Right. You know? they, they easily can go around get anything right at their uh, fingertips. It is funny. My oldest uh, kind of has these obsessions. You mentioned, you know, obsessed with stuff. And they come and they go really fast. Like her latest thing is skateboarding. All yeah. she wants to do is skateboard. Word. And I'm like, uh, I hope you don't get hurt. Like I don't want you to bust your neck and like you sure. know crack your head open. But I, at the same hand, on the other side, I'm like, and eh, she'll just outgrow it in like a week. She'll be over the skateboard and on to the next thing. And I can pretty much guarantee you, she saw a YouTube video about a skateboarder and it looked cool. And now she wants to give it a try. So that's uh, that's where we are now. You know who is excited for football season? One John Gruden, uh, which you evidenced last night if you watch the hard knocks episode one um from the raiders they are the team that is being featured uh it was okay um most of the feedback that i saw that was going around said it was a dud i can totally see that i think sometimes it takes a while to develop some of the characters that are on the show i kind of felt like it had this massive expectation that it's the raiders and It's Gruden and you got Vontez Perfect and Richie Incognito, these big personalities, guys with controversial past that it was going to be this mess that we were going to get watched. Right. It wasn't that. Yeah. Like, it was pretty 
Well, it, it was pretty training, tame. Is it training camp for the most part kind of like that? I mean, like the the start of training camp, there's nothing really popping yet. Like it takes True. a while for the storylines. But they do a really good job. Start, but see, but I would say Hard Knocks does a really good job because I bet what they do is they interview, they mic up, you know, probably sixty percent of the team, right? And then they pick and choose. All right, these are our best characters that sure. they want to feature, right? Um, Derek Carr is somebody they want to feature on the show. He's their quarterback. But you, he's a really boring guy. Like not a knock against him, right? But he's, you know, he's straight laced. He's not going to curse. Uh, you know, well, he's, he's married. He showed his kids. I don't have a problem with it. Like, I think it's, yeah, he's a good role model and all that uh, stuff. But as far as like going to give you must really watch TV, in, yeah, yeah, that's not that. It's just not there. One thing I did notice was John Gruden. And this is one of my biggest concerns about him when he took this job, having been out of football for a decade when he was doing TV. Right. I was like, I wonder how he's going to relate to today's player. There is a considerate difference in mindset and mentalities. Really? And his opening speech, which did go viral last year, because he was talking about dreams and he was like, hey, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be into dreams. I want to be into nightmares. You want to be the nightmare that snatches everybody else's dreams. It right. kind of went viral and everybody's like, Ooh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Right after that, like literally 10 seconds after that opening speech where everybody was fired up, he made the specific reference to back in the olden days. Ooh. Like he used that term olden, olden days mm. and it just felt really like, like turning butter. Yeah. I was like, man, you are making any, and, and several times in the show, he did reference different eras back when I played, or it used to be this way. And after he's already been there for a year, I'm like, these things are still an issue. Correct. I was like, Ew. yeah, that's tough when you're still preaching that. Like that's year one, week one type of yeah. messaging. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even factor in. Like, and I was, I was riding in today and you know, I'm listening. He's been removed from coaching for so long. Like it, this happens to me now. It's a like, generation. It's a generation, a generation of, of kids players. that don't know. That you coached. Yep. They only know you as the personality, like on, on Monday, Monday night, night football. football, right? Yep. Like I deal with it with basketball when I'm dealing with kids and their parents are introducing the kids to me and the kids are like, who the hell is that? Right. You know, and they're like, I used to, they don't know. They're right. a generation removed. So that, that's gotta be tough because I'm sure the Raiders, um, you know, Mike Mayock and company think he's got this cachet because he was Chucky and like, yep. it, it, kids don't give a damn. Right. They don't know. They don't remember the Super Bowl Correct. he won with Tampa. They're like, right. ah, I don't, I was, he's a goofball. Years. He's up there on TV. <laughs> no, cause that, I mean, that's what he did on Monday Night Football. He was a little bit more playful than you, than he was as a coach, right? Yep. Had a little bit more, you know, stuff going on. There were two big disappointments for me in the episode. One was Ronald Ollie, uh, uh who was last on chance Last you? Chance You. Yeah gets cut uh, i hate to be a spoiler alert spoiler alert kind of after the fact uh, but you totally saw why i mean he like he was he came in there they kind of showed him at last chance you they showed some of the highlights there where he didn't want a condition right and he was kind of complaining about it, had gotten in trouble for being late to a meeting then it felt they don't mess around and so he goes there and he's supposed to get treatment for his achilles which is sore and he asked out of practice didn't even try to do a drill he's like hey i can't go today yeah like a volunteer no he didn't get taken out he's like i can't go and then he missed treatment the next day. And I, it was very, it was edited in such a way, which is, of course, the genius of the show. But they have Gruden and he's talking to one of his assistant coaches and he goes, you know what? Does anybody want to bleep and practice anymore? He's like, we got to send a message and we got to cut some of these bleepers. And there he is. And then the next scene, it's like Ronald Ollie's stuff is getting packed and shipped out and he's gone. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, it is yeah. cutthroat. It is a job. And there is no more. 
you know, student, you know, P, uh, like some little graduate assistant who's going to come babysit you and make sure you go. Yeah. You go. If you go, you go. If you don't, you're gone. Man, dude. And that was the minute. The other thing that was a big disappointment for me, Antonio Brown posted a picture of his feet last week. Disgusting. It was one of the nastiest Ugh. things you've ever seen. It almost looked like. You know those things you could dip in hot wax? Yeah. You could pull out the paraffin, your paraffin. Yeah, wax. the paraffin wax yeah. where it kind of is used for treatment and then yep. you peel all the wax off. That is what the layer of skin looks like that's yeah. on the bottom of his feet. Yeah. So he's actually not practicing. The bummer to me was you didn't get an explanation for why why isn't he practicing? They just said it, they referenced his, his feet kind of vague. Yeah. Um and they never gave you an answer. I know. I I don't know that they have the answer. I I said this. Uh, Tommy was on while you were swinging golf clubs and yeah, 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 doing my thing. <laughs> but um, you know how painful you've blisters. One blister. Yeah. On the back of your heel, trying to run. Uh, anything. It's, it's excruciating. It's yes. excruciating. Like imagine the whole bottom of your foot being pretty much an an open blister. Like that's both feet. I, it's ridiculous. How do you walk? But like from from their perspective though, because I've heard conflicting kind of reports on it, like that's concerning for me because that's that's not a little sore, man. That's the bottom of his feet, both feet. If you don't have the information to 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 get out, like, and all of that medical information is put out, like they don't really guard any of that close to them right. anymore. So if they knew, you probably know at this point. I do. I think it's a concern. I wonder what the heck it is. My initial thought was Antonio Brown was doing something stupid. Like, I, but I was like, all right, was he on the beach? Cause I mean, have you, but I, I have been on like, cause I used to play beach volleyball in the off season, like work out in and hot sand, sand. in hot sand. And I literally had to wear socks. It wouldn't it do felt that. Like it wouldn't do that. No. Like, and I, I tried to walk across it sometimes. It would never burn it that bad. Oh. So I was like, all right, it couldn't have been that. And so I was like, I, I had no idea. Then you find out this is probably the most likely is that he went in a cryotherapy chamber. Without the booties, because you are supposed to wear those sure. booties when you go in there. And you have to, you have to be bone dry. There was a kid in the NBA that almost lost his toe. He may have lost toes. I don't right. want to speak out of turn, but he, he got burnt to a crisp in one of those cryos because his socks were wet. Right. right. And that can happen. So that's probably, but why not just come out and say that? I know. Why not say Antonio Brown was working out so hard and he was taking care of his body. He was doing cryotherapy and it was just an oversight. And this is what it is. Like, why not just say that? If that's what it is. That's what and if it's not, then what me. the heck is it? That's what concerns me, man. Like <laughs> that if you don't know or you don't feel comfortable putting it out right now, I like what is the problem? Yeah. So one of the stories that you don't have to worry about with the Raiders, no holdouts, everybody's in camp. Yeah. Uh I want to hear more from Vontez Burfick. Didn't hear from him at all. Richie Incognito was kind of boring. Um, but not much drama there. Where there is drama in Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys continue to have a growing concern. Ultimately, I don't think it's a huge deal until you get to week one. We've seen players, um, historically, even some of them after the fact said, Oh yeah, I just held out because I didn't want to go to camp. Right. You know, like they're like, Hey, I knew I was going to go. Maybe I got a new contract. It was great, but ultimately I didn't have to go to camp. So I didn't mind doing it. Zeke, the news now, according to, uh, ESPN's Justina Anderson is that Ezekiel Elliott and his people, his representatives, have told the Dallas Cowboys that he will not play the 2019 season without a new contract. Do you believe him? Um, yes. You do? I do. I don't know why. Um, because I, I mean, he hasn't made a whole lot of money yet. Like, So to give up, what's he making this year? 
think he's supposed to make eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money for a young guy who hasn't probably banked a lot of money to give up. Um, so on one hand, no, but Zeke is one of those guys that I don't, I think he's kind of unpredictable, man. Like, I don't, if he says he's not coming, I would, I would, uh, I'd support that. I, I'd think that he wouldn't show up. So here's where I think, and this is, I think, if you're a Cowboy fan, this is what you're hoping for is saying, oh, this is just posturing, right? Because you've seen the back and forth. You've seen Jerry Jones come out publicly in front. And that's all of this is playing out. It's negotiating. They're trying to get the upper hand. They're trying to say, hey, this is our stance. And you want to be the team or you want to be the side that's willing to walk, right? You've got to be willing to walk in a negotiation if you want to have that. And you've got to be willing to miss out on it. I think the Cowboys are much more willing to say, yeah, we're good. We've seen it before. We've seen... You know, we saw the Steelers last year going with James Conner over Le'Veon Bell, and they were okay. No, 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 no. You're saying this is different. So you're saying no. that Zeke has the upper hand if he yeah. says, I'm not playing. There, the, the, look, look, I've, I've, I've flip-flopped on this, and Brady asked me last week who I'd take care of, and, you know, I said I'd probably take care of the quarterback, and, you know, in, that's in a vacuum. But in this scenario, they are not nearly the same. I don't have all of these numbers in front of me, but I looked at them yesterday. That offense with Zeke versus without Zeke on, on purely stats, they're two different animals. Let alone like wins versus losses with and without Zeke, you they they are not, they are not the type of team that they want to be without Ezekiel Elliott. And that can't you can't say that for every running back uh, and team in the league, but this one specifically because it's all built around what he does. That's who the other team game plan. The other teams not game plan and for damn Dak Prescott. Right, they're not. They're not game planning for Amari Cooper. They're game planning for Ezekiel Elliott. Like that is the focal point of this offense. Is what teams on the flip side of it are trying to take away. Without that, they're pedestrian. Like that's a that's an average team at best. You have no Super Bowl dreams, uh, let alone conference dreams or or vice versa. Uh, without Ezekiel Elliott, you got to make sure that gets done. So Zeke, uh, his rookie contract, twenty four million guaranteed. This year, his salary is six point two. So he is considerably lower than where he wants to be. Right. They're really. Three guys that reset the bar, and it was Todd Gurley who everybody looks at now and says, man, what a mistake it was for the Rams because he kind of fell off a little bit towards the last part of last year. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, that's why you don't do it, although I don't think that's fair. Le'Veon Bell, who did miss an entire season, got a new deal with the New York Jets. He's at $13 million a year. Todd Gurley's at $14 million a year. And then David Johnson, the Arizona Cardinals, he's at $13 million a year. So those are the top three. Then there's a significant drop off. So you go 14, 13, 13. Then you got Devontae Freeman making 8.2, LaShawn McCoy making eight. Man. If you're Jerry, and this is, this is what I was getting to, is there is also a report out that the Cowboys have extended, quote, generous offers to their big three that would pay all of them in the top five. Oh, Notice yeah. It's not top three. Right. It's top five. And, but I also, if I was Jerry, I would probably take that approach. Right. Say, we don't want to make you this, Thirteen million dollar territory. Want, and if I was Jerry, I would say let's split the difference and we'll give you no. ten. Who's years. after Devontae Freeman? After Devontae Freeman, you got Lashawn McCoy at, at eight. eight. Saquon so, Barkley's at eight. So you Eric, could you could be saying that and truthfully have offered him like eight point one million dollars. Right, I would put put him in the top five. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, that makes, and he's making and six right now. Right. That's ridiculous. Right. So you're getting it. So that's where you're Jerry. You're playing the yeah, game. You're posturing it. You're playing yeah, the yeah, game. You're saying there. hey. We want to, and top five sounds good in Absolutely. theory, but when you dig into it and you say, hey, those three really reset the bar, why isn't it top three? And by all accounts, Ezekiel has said, I want to be the top paid running back. Now, I do 
I do understand where you're Jerry. You want to try to convince Dak, Amari Cooper, and Zeke to play at a little bit of a discount. You, of course, you want to try to talk them to play in that. I think 10 or 11 million is fair for Zeke. Look at you. You're such, you, I have an ability to take in both the player and the front office side. You have zero ability to see the front office side. Bro, <laughs> I don't have my cap on today. I'm not, I'm not working from executive standpoint. This is purely player. Um, yeah, a fractional discount. Fractional. We're not talking about like from so what 13 or 14. 12. 13, 12, 13 million. But 13 is the highest. That, that, no, that the highest atmosphere. is 14, right? I'm the best back in the league, possibly. I am a top three running back universally in, in, in the NFL, right? Yep. And I would say, like, if I'm Ezekiel Elliott, while in four years, once you've run me into the ground, mm-hmm. I will not be worth that money. But right now, damn it, I'm worth it. Like, and running backs typically, like the ones that come up and get paid, like, no, they're not worth that to their team. But right now in his prime, wouldn't he be worth that to Dallas though? If you had to pay him 13 now, he wouldn't be worth it in five years. Right. Cause you'd have all the mileage on him. You would have ran him into the ground. But right now, while you have the like, you know, you got the offensive line, you got a tough defense, like all the stars are aligned. Forgive the, the, the pun. Right. Um, but like he'd probably be worth the big payday now run him into the ground and make him earn all that money over the next three or four years. And then you're like, okay. So here's what I would try to do. And clearly they don't, they own him for two more years. Then they can franchise tag him. But I think Jerry does want to do right by him. And every player that's on a rookie deal, you really want to get the second bigger chunk of guaranteed money, which is what Zeke's looking for. That gives you longer term security. If you did have a serious injury, you'd be taken care of. Every team has a salary cap expert, capologist, whatever it is. If I was Jerry, I would be pulling him in and saying, give me ideas. Give me, give me things where I can make him feel right. like he's getting a good deal, but it also is advantageous to our cap. And maybe that's a bunch of money up front and give him a bigger signing bonus loaded on the back end where really in actuality, maybe it's only a three year deal and you can cut him out of the last two. And even you tell Zeke that say, Hey, this is a cap trick, right? We're going to give you this much money guaranteed up front so you can have some of that security. Then on the back end, we'll either, if you're, if you're performing, we'll renegotiate or, you know, we'll re, you know, we'll rework those. Tom Brady's a good example because Tom Brady just got a new deal. He got an extension. Sure. Call it that. But they, they utilize some void years where it's kind of this language. And it actually, even though he got a raise, it actually saved the Patriots $4 million on the cap this year. Yeah. Which is genius. Like that's why the Patriots are a dynasty is because they're able to manage the cap so well, and they always have, and they haven't overpaid their stars, As, which is tough not to do. No, they're, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're the gold standard in what you're going to try to do with your, with your cap and, and convince guys to take a little bit less Tom Brady to, to make sure we put pieces around you and all of that. But that's, that's an exception to the, that's an exception to the, the norm, not the norm. Right. Um, and as a player, like I'm with you. If you're Jerry in camp in terms of trying to structure something that's team friendly and, and make sure we get everything done. If I'm the player though, all I care about is the money, dog. That's all I like. You do whatever right. you have to do, Jerry. Right. Do whatever you got to do. You call it like front loaded, back loaded, uh, end load. I don't give a damn what you call it. Here's the number that I'm trying to get to, right? You know what I mean? Like this is where I need to be in terms of guaranteed money because. None of it is really guaranteed after that signing bonus, right? Right. So this is where I need to be. This is where I see myself. Whatever you need to do to sleep at night, do that. But know this. I won't be there unless I get that. So uh, Jason Garrett was asked about just the team situation. He said that, quote, they were way far off as a team. 
Um, we're not even close, Garrett said. I thought there were some flashes on both sides of the ball in the kicking game. This is in camp he's talking about. I don't think that's too big of a deal. I mean, coaches are always trying to – you very rarely hear a coach in training camp say, man, we look great. Right. You just don't want to stroke them that early. Sure. You kind of want to go out there and say, yep, we're getting work done, but we have a long way to go. Like, yeah. that's not surprising to me at all that Jason Garrett came out and said that. As far as it being a distraction, it's probably just one of those things that players are tired of answering the media's question, but they realize it's a part of the business. Oh, just, just, yeah, a distraction is coming, though. Yeah. Last week, it wasn't a distraction. This week, it's like, not a, not a big distraction. Next week, it's a bit of a distraction the week after that we're in full distraction mode right. like that happens real quick though yeah that, that note non-distraction to like full-blown distraction and now we got a catastrophe on our our hands happens really quickly um this is gonna be interesting to, for me to watch because i like you don't pop, you don't come out and say i ain't coming right unless you're ready to not come you better be ready right. not to come here's the thing that zeke has going against him is i would think if you if you're gonna take that stance and you're gonna forego what is uh six million divided by seventeen? I don't know. Whatever, however much money he's going to sacrifice each week, yeah. and then the hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars that Zeke would be forfeiting by not playing, you would want to see your team struggle and say, "Man, they need me, right? Yeah, they can't. They're not the same without me." First three games the Cowboys have Giants, meh, at home, yeah, at home. Yeah. The Redskins on the road, eh, and Dolphins at home. Three yeah. of the worst teams, maybe in the entire NFL. Yeah. They could win it with you or I playing running back. It yeah. feels like no, I, so obviously they can't, but they signed Alfred Morris for this reason correct. where you might have to go three weeks and they look fine. And you're sitting there thinking, Oh boy, like I'm, I'm losing money every week. Right. That's the stance you got to take and we'll see how far it takes. But I do agree. It's going to become a distraction the longer it goes. All right. We're going to take a break. There is a new rule the NCAA has proposed and supposedly it discriminates against one preeminent agent. Do we agree with it? Tell you next here on Canel and Bell. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, movies, uh, summertime is when I catch up on movies. Yeah. College football, you know, football season, forget it. There's not much time. I have seen a couple recently. You saw Hobbs and Shaw last yeah. night. It was good. It was good. Recommended. Yeah, like, yeah I would get, recommend it. You, it get what you, you get what you think you're getting. Correct. Right? A lot of action, crazy stuff, stunts and all that. Um, I asked you about once upon a time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino. Like, thumbs down from you, huh? I am a Quentin Tarantino fan. Yeah. As am I DiCaprio and, and, uh, yeah, Brad, Pitt. Brad Pitt. I just, I don't know. But it was, yeah, it was kind of weird. It was really long. It was yeah. like two and a half hours. Half hours, right? I was like, man, this is a long movie. And we left the kids at home. Oh. So my wife is like looking oh. at me like, we better get home. But it just didn't really have a point. Correct. I kept saying like, what is this about? And I get it was just a glimpse at what Hollywood looked like, but there was no redeeming like, uh, underlying storyline where you're like, okay. Yeah. Like it left me like, what was the point of the movie? Correct. You know, you, you were always waiting for something to, to take place and like grab you. And it yeah, just never, it never did. Um, but some of the cinematography I was telling you on the break was insane. Loved some of the shots and what it could have been like, but just as far as to carry a movie for two and a half hours, I didn't know what it yeah. was talking about. <laughs> um, the NCAA is always getting bashed and it's so easy to do sometimes with when they do certain things. And this is just the latest example of a new rule that they have proposed as it specifically deals to players, student athletes, their favorite term, uh, in college basketball who want to test the waters to the NBA draft. Mm -hmm. So they have a new criteria that they have added. Oh, have they? Yes. Oh, what is it? And the criteria, uh, is threefold. Uh -huh. You must have your bachelor's degree. So four years of college and your degree. 
You have to be certified uh, certified with the uh, MBA MBPA. Yeah, okay, that makes for sense. a minimum of three years, and you also have to take an in person exam at the NCA office in Indianapolis. Uh, this has been dubbed uh, the Rich Paul rule because Rich Paul, notable super agent to LeBron James, also founded Clutch Sports with him. Um, does not have his degree, his uh, collegiate degree. This is so stupid. So you have a major problem with this. This is so stupid. But again, give me another. Well, there are a few, but we don't stop like entrepreneurs from going out and creating an app that earns a hundred million dollars because they didn't finish their bachelor's degree. Yep. We don't. Now, if you're saying to be an agent, which has legal, like, you know, um, there needs to be some sort of legal background and so on and so forth, if they've got to pass some courses um, and they've got to be certified with the NBPA, um, I'm fine with them passing the test and having had to be certified for the uh, amount of time that you feel comfortable with. But having to finish your bachelor's degree, I, I don't see how that. I don't see how you need to be able to check that box to be an agent. And Rich Paul, if you needed an example, is sitting right in front of you as being the most powerful agent probably on the planet right now um, as an example of why you you don't need the bachelor's degree if you're bright enough, if you're smart enough, and if you can pass the required tests uh, and meet the criteria afterwards. All right. So clearly we could both agree Rich Paul is super agent. He's deserved everything. He's one of the best in the business, clean reputation, all that. Right. Would you also agree that the agent business in its entirety is filled with shady characters. You got runners, you got like the scouts. I don't know. There's different like terms they use for them, Yeah. but you got like, there are some shady characters with checkered past um, where you would say, all right, let's try to eliminate this. See, this is where I think the NCAA gets bashed and they, they deserve some of it. I do think they're doing this to try to protect players from some of the shady characters. Look, shame on a player for like you going out and hiring a damn agent who is not a certified agent and doesn't have a clientele that 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 would warrant him having you as as a as a client. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not hiring uh Matthew Coca who comes up to me at FIU like, "Hey bro, Trying to get in the agent business, bro. Hey, hey, Matt, who you represent? Nobody right now, man. You're gonna be my first. I'm not hiring you. So you, you as an NCAA, that's not. You don't need to do that. Like those, I so stupid. Oh, okay, go ahead. Continue your thought. No, so I'm, I, I'm fired up. That, I think that look, there are a lot of things that I think happen in society. Um, discrimination, like it, it is. Yeah, that that's stupid. You don't. You if he can pass the test and he's done all the studying that's required to be an agent, and he can pass whatever certification he needs to pass to be an agent with the NBA, I don't see how four years of college, what if, what if, what if he couldn't afford to go to college, bro? Like, what if college wasn't an option? Where he came from, college wasn't an option, but he learned he learned how to do the job. He got on as a runner, all right? He got on as a runner. He learned from some of the best agents in the NBA. He cut his teeth. You know, he did all the dirty work to get where he needed to go. Now he's bright enough. He's got enough bread in his pocket. He can he can go you know figure out the legal side of it. And he can pass the test and he can do it everything. Now he wants to break out and do his own shop, mom and pop shop. He didn't, he couldn't go to college eight years ago. Now he's excluded from ever being able to be an agent. Stupid. What about so you have four years of college? You also have which I think has been completely overlooked. You have to be a certified um, MBA MBPA. What does MBPA stand That's the, for? The uh, Players Association. Okay. You have to be certified with them for a minimum of three years. So not only do you have to have college for three for four years, but you have to also have been certified for three years, which I think is a pretty it's a length it's a lengthy amount of time. Yeah. yeah like so you're not going to be so for any guy like you were just referencing this kid out of college or kid out of high school who's you know hustling and it might have the street smarts but doesn't have the education. 
by the way, he's going to have to also be certified for three years before he can get to this level. And it deals specifically with players. That's why I don't, I think this is not as big a deal as we make it out to be. The easy solution for the, for the NCAA to do would have been, we're going to grandfather people in, you know, that don't have it. Right. And then you appease Rich Paul. And I get trying to make sure there's nobody excluded from doing this. But on the other side, there's a lot of legal ramifications. If you want to be an attorney, you have to go to three years of law school and you have to pass a bar exam. Like yeah. I think there should be a higher standard. And I do think it does the, the, the intent. That's not the NCAA's job to, to, to tell it, to tell a lawyer. That's law firms, right? Like the bar, they like they're the legal system, like makes a lawyer go to four years of law school and then. Yeah, but nobody's crying foul about the legal system saying, oh, this is preventing. It's not. I'm just saying the NCAA isn't like the legal system. They are a college like sports entity. Right. Talking about agents like at a professional level. Why are you the judge, jury and executioner of that? They're as the NCAA. But don't you think. And again, I think they make a lot of mistakes, but don't you think they're you don't believe their intent was to protect the players. I think they sent out a they sent out a memo to all the agents because I'm sure they got some backlash Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're saying, Hey, you guys are doing this. It's racist. It's discriminatory. And some of it, of course, may be, but they also said, um, they sent this memo and they said the NSA refers to its motivations, quote, to protect the collegiate eligibility of their athlete clients. You're in the business of protecting college athletes. The NCAA is that's what you're selling (laughs) me now. No, no, seriously. That's what you're going to try to portray, right? right? Don't even, Danny, this is a bigger <laughs> conversation, man. Like, you know, people talk out of both sides of their mouth, right? Yeah. I feel like the NCAA does that a lot. Uh, w- was their intent like genuine off the bat to some degree, right? But I think it was more self-preservation like than anything. Anything they do typically for me falls under the self-preservation. Like we're looking out for the NCAA's best interest first. They've got a track record of doing it. And so whether it's right or wrong, every time they come up with one of these dumbass rules, I'm going to look at it and be like, hmm, who wins in this? Or who would, who were they trying to get the W for? And more than likely, most times, it's going to be the NCAA. Yeah, uh, several NBA players uh, chimed in on this. LeBron, of course, was one of them. That's his guy. Rich Paul came out and blasted the NCAA. Chris Paul. Here's LeBron James' tweet. Uh, can't stop, won't stop. They big, mad, and scared. Nothing will stop this moving culture over here. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, Chris Paul weighed in as well. I completely disagree with the NCAA's decision. Some life experiences are as valuable, if not more, than diplomas. I totally agree with him on that. Y'all need to rethink this process. This is crazy. Uh, with the significant amount of reaction they've gotten and most of it negative, I do think it'll be interesting to see if the NCAA maybe backtracks or read. Oh, they probably aren't. Danny, I, they, look, <laughs> they, no, I doubt that they will. But if you said to me, I mean, rationally, right? Like just if you said, hey, look, man. There's a certification level that you have to you achieve to even be an agent, right? Right. You pass that test. Right. So right? you've been We're okay good. with this if this is just the three year minimum requirement to be certified. Yeah. So if the MB- and just those like just yes, that, if right. the MBPA has vetted you for three years, like they feel comfortable with yeah, it you because those are your kids now. Like those are no longer NCAA athletes. They're 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 NBA athletes. So yep. real talk, the people who had to really feel comfortable with you is the MBPA, right? Because yep. now you are representing their people so if they feel comfortable with you and they've essentially vetted you for three years because you've passed whatever test you need to pass right, and you've who been, cares why does four years of college come into play i just think that's so stupid 
Yeah. All right. So I think there's an easy solution. If you're the NCA, just drop the bachelor's degree requirement. That, that's Because it. it's still pretty hard to yes. get certified for three years. Are you okay with the in-person exam? Like, hey, you have to pass an interview? You have to pass. Yes. Like, all of that is Simple fine. Simple solution. Correct. We got all your problems solved. We need to be the NCA's PR people. Easy. We just figured out their problem in 10 <laughs> minutes or less, and they couldn't do this, and they probably have teams of people that look at this and try to say, yeah, this is going to be great. How can they continue to fail in the public perception so many times? It's beyond me. I don't know. Like, they get, I try to defend them sometimes like i did here yeah and now i'm leaving like why didn't they just leave that out it doesn't make any sense uh you know what else doesn't make sense to aaron Rodgers? practicing against other teams we'll tell you about that next right here on canel and bell. what is that there's a tease yeah all right welcome back to canel and bell the green bay packers had an interesting offseason um there was a, a big expose on aaron Rodgers. Yep. Portrayed him quite differently than most people assumed he was. I think people already knew he was a little bit abrasive, but really made him look selfish. Um, not the most beloved by his teammates. Um, which I think is often sometimes unfair because you get a lot of anonymous guys off the record yeah. and people don't put their name on it, but there were some people who put their name on it. it wasn't the best piece there. Um, Mike McCarthy is no longer the head coach. They fire him. And in large part, it was because of a relationship between Aaron Rodgers and him. Um, now you've got. Aaron Rodgers voicing an opinion that I, I thought, I thought it was curious. Um, so he was talking about practicing with another team, which is very commonplace when you'll have another team come in and just to get a different look, sometimes a little better. You keep fresher bodies. You just, you just, it's just something that teams do. You'll bring another team to practice for it. Apparently Aaron Rodgers does not like this practice. Uh, and their offense did not look very good in the practice. I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't. This is another one. I, I think I remember asking you about this last year. Um, I think it was a wide receiver, Ter- Terrell Pryor. Was that his name? Terrell Pryor. He was getting into it with some, some, some of his former teammates on the team that they were practicing against because mm-hmm. they were now, you know, his opponent. This doesn't exist in basketball. Like you don't bring in another team to practice against them. It right. doesn't, I've never really thought this made sense. So while I don't usually side with Aaron Rodgers, and I guess this is customary like in the NFL, most people don't have a problem with it. I too would ask like, what's the point of that? So like, you would be tipping your hand to some degree right. like, uh, with what you're running and your offense. And usually you want to shroud that in as much mystery as you can, right? Like you're trying to keep that under wraps. So that doesn't make sense. And then the potential for fights and all kind yeah. of stuff. Like I don't even understand why it's what is a quarterback. That's not going to affect you. Uh, no. Well, right. So, but maybe he's making the case for his offensive lineman or whatever it is. Um, so I did it uh, when I was on the Denver Broncos, we went to Houston, uh-huh. similar, same. They're doing the, the Texans as well. Um, we went to Houston and we were playing the Texans in a preseason game that Friday night, Saturday. So we got there like on Monday. Right. You do two joint practices. Uh, I thought it was kind of fun. Like I was always, you know, during in between breaks to talk to the quarterbacks on their team. You get to break it up a little bit, you know, getting out of your crappy hotel in Denver or wherever city you're in. You get to go on the road. Okay. Maybe have a little bit more free time. But really, I thought the valuable thing was when you get to this point, You've had so many OTAs. Like we talk about OTAs, they get 15 practices. You know, you do all these drills against your defense. It really gets monotonous. Yeah. So much so that the defense 
will start calling out your checks. They just like look if, great. Yeah, they yeah, look fantastic. Exactly. If you start checking off to Blue 52 Razor, the safety's over there saying, all right, it's going to be drag slant on the outside. And you're yeah. like, oh, great. They know all our checks. So you have to go back. Um, same thing for us. Like, you know, I would see the defense and I'd see them checking Hooters, Hooters. Yeah. You know, that was cover two. Yeah. Like, all right, I know what's going to work here. So it gets monotonous. It can get a little bit routine. And it becomes easier to play, how to avoid certain mistakes, certain blitzes you may never see. And you're like, all right, you feel pretty good. Where if you get it out there against a different opponent, right. all of a sudden they're running different schemes. You have no idea what their terminology is. Right. And you're like, uh-oh. A but fresh it helps look. prepare you, yeah. you know, mentally for that one. But the real tricky thing is. That's a preseason is, game. It's but, a preseason game. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And you won't run all your plays. Right. You dial back the playbook. What gets really tricky is something you touched on. Was Mike Shannon was a player's coach, right? We very rarely went full tackle to the ground, hardly ever. Like right. we only ran eight plays of full tackling drills. Um, so when we went to Houston, they had a different mentality. Like they, they were sticking. used to hitting a right, little bit. Right, right. And I would never forget, like after the first half hour of practice, we had a water break and Shannon was like, All right, let's bring it up. Right. It's like, all right, I talked to their coach. I tried to get them to realize what we're doing. I don't want to bang you guys. And yet there's still a couple knuckleheads that are used to doing what they're used to doing. Right. And it can create some issues. And that's where some of the fights uh, tend to crop up. Um, the Packers apparently looked awful in practice. Again, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes, a lot of scrutiny on Matt LaFleur in just his first year. He's a younger coach. Aaron Rodgers, his relationship with McCarthy was well-documented. How do they relate to each other? I do think Aaron Rodgers is tough to coach because he is so smart. Right. Uh, let me ask you a question because they, yeah. they got the offensive numbers up right now for, yep. for uh, the Packers, right? Yep. Uh, middle of the pack, like 14th in pass yeah. per game, uh, yards per game, 12th in passing yards, 9th. You've got this thing in, in, in Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, can we agree top what? Uh, I mean, six, so, seven quarterbacks oh, in the NFL. I think people would be mad at you if you said only top. You'd have to go top, like top five, two or three. Top, is he top two or three? Okay, there yeah, you go. Fine. Yeah. But I think some of it, he has got to this point where it was a lot of time. It was either who's the GOAT? Was it Aaron Rodgers or was it Tom Brady? And Drew Brees kind of got pushed to the side. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers, he does make it look really easy. He's got a lot more natural talent than Tom Brady or okay. Drew Brees. But at some point, you got to start saying, all right, where's your other Super Bowl? Yeah. Where where are your consecutive playoffs? And you're hurt a lot. It's starting to be a while. And you're hurt a lot. Exactly. Um, and you've got young bucks like Mahomes and Andrew Luck. Yeah. And like they're pushing people pushing. So all right, let's say top five. Yep. Um you got rid of Mike McCarthy, and those numbers there weren't like they weren't great, but they weren't terrible. Right. Matt LaFleur's numbers as an OC in Tennessee <laughs> were, awful. Like, were terrible. Yeah. Like 28th in the league in passing touchdowns, 29th in the league in, in pass yards per game. Like what he did do well was rush the ball. Like they were six in the league and <laughs> running the ball. Like how does that fit? I have no idea because this was a hire to me. And you, I'm glad you pointed out those stats because they weren't very good passing the ball. Now you could probably throw some of that on Marcus Morrow to say he's a younger quarterback, but at some point you're like, that's not an excuse. Like you were right. not that great. I don't, I don't view Matt LaFleur. Now he does. He was connected to Sean McVay. I'm almost positive on that. That's I have to double tree, check. The and whole that tree. was, yes, All part right. of that because before he was with the Titans in 2017, he was, I think he was only their quarterback coach too. Right. Um, he was with Sean McVay and that was the Sean McVay effect. He was our offensive coordinator, but we all know that Sean McVay is the offensive coordinator. Right. You're just in title where I think some people are going to get burned. 
going the Sean McVay tree route because we haven't seen it sustained long enough. And a lot of times McVay is a genius because he's the genius. Yeah, you're not kidding. Sean McVay magically rub off on everybody else. You can have the plays, you can have the playbook, but you have to know why you're calling them. Right. And the most important aspect, you have to know when to call them and which adjustments to make during the game. Yep. And that's something we have no idea if Matt LaFleur, LaFleur, Matt LaFleur can do. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how that works with him and Aaron Rodgers. Because if it gets off to a slow start, you, you there's going to be some tension there. And Aaron Rodgers... You talk about combustible situations, like you talked about the Browns <laughs> yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like If that one gets off to a rocky start and people were saying that that Aaron Rodgers could be difficult to work with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It could get ugly in a hurry. All right, we're going to take a break. Tom Brady has put his house on the market. He's got a new contract, but really it's only a one-year deal. What does it mean? I'll tell you next right here on Canel and Bell. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So yesterday there was big news as Tom Brady got a extension, if you wouldn't even call it that. Yeah. Uh, in actuality, his new deal, uh, it pays him an additional $8 million this season. He got a raise. Yeah, he got a raise, but I think it's deceiving too. But so it increases his salary to 23 million, which is still very reasonable considering the highest paid quarterbacks are getting 35, 34 million dollars. But it also includes void years of 2020 and 21. Um, so they can basically get out of it. Essentially what they're, it's a one year deal. Right. Uh, and they're going to have to revisit these negotiations next year, which I don't think is a big deal. Um, some of the reporters were asking about it. Like, what does it mean? Did you want a longer one? And Brady's like, I don't know. It is what it is. I think some reporters, it felt like they were speculating that he wasn't happy. I don't think that was the case at all. And then, so you combined that with all of a sudden his market, uh, his home on the market in Brookline, Mass for 39 and a half million has people speculating saying, uh oh. Does this mean he's going to hang it up soon? You Would you take this as a sign that he's going to hang it up soon? I would not take it as a sign. <laughs> All right. You're it's getting, probably not a great thing. It's not a good look. Unless, what if he's got his mind on an $80 million house? It's like right down. We don't well, know what I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. Let's just watch the real estate market, see what the listings do. Uh, $39.5 million crib in If you really wanted to find out like how serious this is, was, like if you're a reporter, you yeah. pose as some uber-rich like internet dude. And you go in there and say, I want to, I want to make an offer, but I want to close in two weeks. Yeah. Cash. See what, and you see what they say. If they're like, we'll take it. You're like, like, uh oh, man. And he's going to live in like a temporary, like, right. He's probably not going to stay at the, uh, the Marriott extended stay. He'll probably have a little bit slighter, better situation than that. But if you really want to find out how serious point, it is, though. you go make the offer. Because you could list a $39.5 million crib and might have long, to. Might yeah, it would take a year to sell. Minimum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? But you want to find out how serious it is. Yeah. Then you go you go with the offer. And then you back out as soon as you can. You're like, all right, peace. I'm out <laughs> of here. What if they wanted to see your financials? You Found know, a leak. You'd have to come out with all those. Um, their next closest property is at Silo Ridge Field Club in Armenia, New York. That's three hours from Gillette Stadium, so that's not really an option. You have the they particulars also, on that? I How much don't. That cost? I don't, but I guarantee you it's uh, it's not cheap. Uh, He's also, they have a place, uh, he and Giselle have a place in New York City. Uh, they've reportedly been looking in Greenwich, Connecticut, and Alpine, New Jersey. Oh. Kind of random spots there. I mean, I guess post-playing career, 
close to New York City. Yeah. Um, I know this isn't all of his properties because I know they have a place in Costa Rica and they have a place in California. This is probably just their East Coast their, like portfolio. <laughs> yes. I'm great with that. Like I've always portfolio. felt like if you were gonna have homes, like dream homes, and you had this type of money, yeah. I think New York City would be one. I'd want a place there. I'd want a place somewhere warm. San Diego ish. Yeah, yeah, that would be ideal. Yeah. And then I'd want a place in the mountains, like somewhere, which I also think they have too. Like, ski I don't even think out. this list their old portfolio. Somewhere up in like Park Aspen, City. Like yeah, Aspen. Park City. Yeah. yeah, that'd be outstanding. Like, yeah. those are kind of the three spots. And then maybe while you're at it, get something international. Tropics. Oh, yeah, you go to the islands? Yeah, yeah. Lake Como would be dope, though, because then you could <laughs> achieve, like, both. Yes. You got to Exactly. You're over there in Italy. Down. That's right. what you do when you have that type of money. Um, Brady gets a lot of credit for playing for reduced value, mm-hmm. right? Like he's going to make 23 million. That's nowhere close to what he could make if he really would like held the Patriots like I'm the goat. I want top tier money. I want $35 million a year, which is what Russell Wilson gets. Ben Rossberger's at 34, Aaron Rodgers 33, Carson Wentz 32. So you get the drip like he's not even close to that Do you stratosphere. Think that anyone in outside of like the organization who knows how valuable him taking those deals is do you think that the general public in 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 uh you know new england really has a real appreciation for what that allows you to do the fact that he is taking that much of a haircut as the goat like universally regarded as the goat the uh, the things that you're able to sustain there in in around him in new england because he does that so it's an unheard of thing Dan. who else does it no one but i think there's a massive but i think he gets too much credit for taking this discount. And I think he is New England's favored son, right? Yeah. It's Tom Brady. They love him and deserve it. They should. I think that adds to the adoration. They're like, Hey, Tommy, you see Tommy out there? He's playing on, he doesn't even take all the money. Right. I'm telling you, there's something going under the table. <laughs> I'm telling you, not only, so I, I don't notice I don't even yes. bring up Giselle. Yes. Giselle makes like 20 million a year in her own right. Yes. So it's kind of easier to take a pay cut. If your wife is, but okay, let's leave that aside because that's not a fair. You shouldn't be out like that. Sierra, knock Sierra him makes a lot of bread. I don't, Russell True. Wilson wasn't going in there taking thirteen Agreed. million dollars. Agreed. I do think Robert Kraft has a deal. Some handshake. You got my word. Yeah, I'm gonna take care of you. We're gonna and I don't. And maybe it's not because hey, they could do a cash under the. You know, hey, there's some account in Switzerland. I'm like not gonna home, go that far. Like home, home. Yeah, yeah, it could be over there. <laughs> you go to this bank at the Caymans, and here's your money waiting for you. Right. But I think there is a. You're one of us for life. Okay. You can get a portion of this team. One day. Oh, so the you know, di- so maybe you sell him a percentage of the Patriots. Maybe a small percentage. But on the back end, yeah. you took care of us for all this time. We're going to take care of you. Right. I, I, so the haircut isn't what it appears to be is what you're saying. Just my personal opinion. I got you. You know, I mean, I there's always you. kind hey. of, there's more to the story. And I think this is one of those circumstances. Back in the day, like I wasn't on the team with, with like, uh, John Stockton and Carl Malone and those guys. But yeah. Before I'm imagining like all of these rules came into place with the CBA. Um, Larry Miller and the, and the Miller family, they're, they're really great people they, uh, out in Utah. They, uh, wouldn't like, they would give away like a car dealership. Like Carl Malone would have a car dealership that was blessed to him by Larry and same with John Stockton. And that's how they were able to kind of keep 
yeah. salaries and checks. Yes. That that was, and I don't even know if it was under the table. It wasn't under the table at the time. It right. just wasn't. Right. You were allowed to kind of. Yeah, you, it was a business was a transaction. Yeah. Like if you and I, we work together, we could go into business together outside of this business. It wouldn't right. be that crazy of an idea to do. Right. Even though you all know, like it's not a legitimate car business. You're just kind of feeding them money to get around the, uh, to get around things. <laughs> I get that goes on a lot yeah. out there uh, in the landscape of things. One of the coolest things I ever thought that I saw a coach do, um, I'll give their names because it doesn't really matter at right. this point. It was so long ago. John Lynch was a safety for the Broncos. Mike Shanahan was the coach. One day we're driving to the airport because we, that was like, we'd hitch a ride. Jake Plummer, myself and Lynch would drive to the airport together. Yeah. And, uh, Lynch pulls out like this wad of cash and he's like not a flamboyant dude. He's got like five grand. Right. Just cash sitting there. And uh, we were like, what the heck is going on? And he's like, all right, you guys can't tell anybody. This is 15 years ago. Yeah. All right. You're good. You're good. You're good. Over. Is done. He's like, yeah. He's like, remember that fine I got for that hit that I had in the last game? He's like, you know, Shanahan called me in and said it was BS. And he went to bat for him. He said, but they wouldn't overturn it. So I still got fined. He's like, but he reimbursed me the fine in cash. Hey, yo. That, like that is, if I was a coach, I would have done that all the time. Yeah. Like, hey, to protect my guys. And Lynch was making more than enough money. It was just the statement of, I got your back. Yeah. Which you love that. I had know? a few refunded to me. I ain't going to say no. Oh, so I had somebody. I put myself out I there. I had somebody. No, mine is more recent. And it, <laughs> it was me. And I had a, I had somebody tell me that whatever fine I got for going out there being like, Whoever I was for that team, yeah, like they take care of it. So just feel free to continue to do that. <laughs> I love it. I want to get the name off the air. Maybe I'll tweet it out. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Check the Twitter feed. See ya.